And to that uh, piece of shit lieutenant that's always uh, on his podcast, uh, bashing us, fuck him. <laughs>
This is what the PBA is supposed to be fighting for. Two cops that served in the Bronx four years ago. Want to talk about due process? In 2019, unfortunately, it's, it's not their fault. They were the unlucky ones to get called to a job where they were faced with an armed assailant with a knife. They had to deploy their firearms. Tragically, this adversary lost his life. Those two police officers did what they had to do to keep the community safe and themselves do each and every day. And that's what every police officer does, especially the NYPD. Those two police officers, to the public, if you're listening right now, that's why we want to be the catalyst for change for the Civilian Complaint Review Board and also the Discipline Matrix. They were cleared by the NYPD. They were cleared by the District Attorney's Office. And now, four years later, those two are fighting for their job at an administrative trial within the NYPD being prosecuted by the overzealous Civilian Complaint Review Board. And because of the discipline matrix, they could face up to termination with the discipline if found guilty. Now, if that's not a tragedy, that is tragic to those police officers, and that hurts the community every day because the police officers have to say to themselves, do I want to put myself in that position? And that is going to cause police officers and deter them from doing the police work that they do each and every day. They already have layers of oversight against them. And this just makes it even harder. That's what the PBA should be fighting for. Contracts will always be negotiated. I'm pretty sure that John and I with zero PBA experience could probably negotiate a contract. We need to talk about the other problematic issues. CCRB and the disciplinary matrix and also cops being discarded for the forced vaccine mandate and them coming back have to sign a waiver and waive their rights and not get any back pay. These are the main issues, and they should be the first talking points for a PBA president in office today. John, what do you think? 100%. I mean, when Grable opened up with, when you asked him, what, what's the first thing you're going to do? He said contract, right? Again, it's bird feed. They're throwing bird feed at you guys. They think you guys are stupid. Listen, I'll tell you right now, I don't like, I don't like anybody. But I'll tell you right now what I don't like. I don't like to see a sixty-year one, a sixty-one-year-old vice president who's going to leave the job in six months, and is a placeholder. Who's he a placeholder for? I know a kid with a certain last name that sounds very familiar that could be placed into a high trustee spot or even a potential VP spot, right? Because he, if Hendry wins, he's going to have to make an appointment, right? Actually, two appointments because I believe there's a female on, on that team as well who's going to age out soon as well. So that's two placeholders in that team. Um, was I happy with Grable's response? Absolutely not. Um, I don't like either of their platforms. The Hendry platform was taken directly from this podcast. And I think the Grable platform was taken directly from this podcast. I'm going to say right now, the only strong messaging that I heard from anyone on the PBA is from Franklin Valdez and De Derek Andrews, the transit trustees. Unfortunately, they're only running for a lower spot as transit trustees. Those are two strong messages. I mean, we have guys right now that have just came back on the job that were legally terminated and they had to sign away their civil service rights and sign away their right to back pay. And you didn't hear a word from either of those candidates. But I do have to give a big shout out to Team Hendry for opening up your comments and listening to the last episode. Uh, and then also uh, expounding on what Eric says about the CCRB, because obviously it is a huge issue. So I'm glad that you guys have both adopted in that campaign, um, but I'm not happy with it at all. And I just want to clarify, nobody got you a contract. You are required to get you a contract. If anything, these contracts have been impeded upon. 
These contracts have, was impeded on. You should have had that money six years ago. And I'm just going to go back one more time because I get, keep getting called a bag of misinformation. But nobody will come on this podcast and sit down and have a, 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 a discussion with us and tell us where we're wrong. But I'm just going to go back six years at eight and a quarter percent on your money. You can never make up that time. You can never make up that compounded interest. You lost money with this contract. You did not gain money. And again, it's a big thing. You know, victory. I don't care about those guys that are 65. You're going to be 65 before you know it. It's a problem. We don't even know what the problem is in, in, in perpetuity because, again, it's $600 million every year. It's going to come back and bite you in the ass. The problem is most young guys don't care. They're running to grab the money because what's going to happen? They're taking their training. They're either going to a different department or they're leaving this job because the issues that need to be spoken about are not, you know, and, and that's really what the problem is. I, I, it's great to hear we're going to push back against the CCRB. It's great to hear we're going to push back against, against these leftists elected. But I have a big problem with all of the delegates who voted to change the PBA constitution and the bylaws to allow themselves to give more funds to candidates because it sounds great, but what happened? We donate to Kathy Holchill. Your money gets snuck to Kathy Holchill. You don't even get an active endorsement. Your money goes to Kathy Holchill at the same time she's pushing for you guys to be fired, at the same time she's saying you're racist, at the same time they're putting up this anti-police legislation, at the same time she's saying bail reform's great, pro-criminal, anti. She's making your job harder. She's making your job less safe. She's making the city of New York less safe. And she's hurting you in the pocket. And this is who your money went to. And by the way, it's not just her. You guys really need to do some homework and start looking at public information. Politics matters. I'll tell you right now, there is no way I vote for a continuation of this, of, of the current regime, because they have, they have failed. I'm sorry. The last, since 2020 has been a highlight in failure. There is absolutely no way I do. If I, if, for those of you that don't like Rabel, how could you possibly like Lynch 3.0? I mean, I just, I, I just can't. I, I just I just can't wrap my head around how you think someone got you a contract that could have easily just been signed six years ago. And I want to ask the cops a question for the cops that are supporting us so that we can support you. And you're watching this or you're listening. Ask yourself this. Why is it that when John and I try to support you and we bring up the issues that are affecting you, that are problematic, that need to be addressed by the PBA because we're an outside force that's trying to help within. Why is it that every time we bring up an issue and talk about something that the PBA maybe had oversight or wasn't transparent and making sure that you understand that message, John and I get attacked with fake accounts, fake accounts. And it's not even just trolling us. It's gotten to the point where it's personalized. They're threatening John and I. Personally, we don't give a shit. You can come with all your threats. It's borderline aggravated harassment. They're coming at us with extortion, telling us that pretty much if we don't shut our mouths, that they're going to expose things about us. Listen, I'm telling you right now to the PBA, do what you got to do. You can't smear our names any more than the newspapers have done already. Do what you got to do. You could threaten us, and you could have all the extortion you want. The more you try to silence us, the louder we're going to be. We are not afraid of anyone. We refuse to stand down. We are going to continue to fight for the cops. To the cops out there, that's what you should be asking for your PVA. 
they should be telling you the same message that we are right now. We will fight for you. They should fight for you too. They have a very handsome job. Ask yourself this. These guys that are on the board, and there's a couple of women there, they have a great job. They get to wear a suit every day. They report somewhere where it's air-conditioned in the summer. During the winter, they're warm. They eat nice dinners. Their cell phones are paid for. They report to a nice place to work. They don't have to slap on the gun belt that you do. They don't have to wear the body-worn camera. They don't have to wear business cards. They don't have to go to the CCRV. They don't have all these layers right now that are attacking them. They're sitting comfortable. So at least they can do is make themselves uncomfortable to fight for you. Because success is met when you're uncomfortable, not when you're comfortable. And that's what John and I are doing. We are willing to be uncomfortable and take the attacks from these old, crusty old men that don't care about you. Honestly, frankly, I don't care. Listen, I'm talking to you right now to the PBA. You can threaten me and you can you all you want. But I know that when John and I come to New York with our press passes, I guarantee when you're in our presence, you'll probably try to shake our hands. You won't threaten us and you won't harass us in person. I'm not saying we're tough guys, but we stand on principle. And I hope you do too. Yeah, I mean, very telltale that you you haven't accepted a debate and you won't come on this show. I mean, we have a big media following. You know, there would have been write-ups about it. It's fine. No problem. We could have got you all the media. You could have got your message across. It's fine. That offer's rescinded, and that time has came and went. So you're not – you are no longer invited. But it's weakness. It's complete weakness. And for anyone to sit there and defend it, especially the people that I know that are in the PBA, especially you guys that know me, the guys that know Eric – for you to sit there and go along with the shit that you hear being spewed about us, it's, it really is. It really is disgusting on your half. I don't care about the guys that don't know us. The guys that know us, that worked for us, that worked with us, I mean, it's really fucking pathetic. I really, I really wonder where your balls are, and I wonder even more where your brains are because they're obviously not in your head. Because you know, as well as I do, no one's picked up the phone to tell me I'm wrong. Nobody has debunked one thing we said. We just get, again, attacked with fake accounts. If what we were saying was misinformation, people would come on our accounts with their real names and tell us exactly why we're wrong. We've been nothing but respectful to everybody. We've actually offered our platform that we built to them. Oh, but they don't need us. It's fine. They don't need us. They'll make us bigger. I even heard one of my friends made a comment that if Pat Hendry comes on our show, it would be the biggest show ever. I just, I'm just going to right now. It probably would be one of the smallest listened to episodes ever because there's a lot of people that aren't cops that follow us across the world, and nobody even knows who Pat Hendry is. We could have helped him out with that. That's fine. And but the weakness, and you don't want any debate. I mean, I'll tell you right now. If I was running for PBA president, if Eric was running for PBA president, and I was advising him, we would crush them. You're 100% right. There's two PBA delegates that I would do. I'm sorry, PBA trustees that I dealt with many times. They know who they are. I don't want to raise their names. They were actually nice guys. I would deal with them constantly. They would come to PSA 7 because we were very active. And they know. And you know I'm talking to you right now. You know who you are. We got along very well. You know I fought for the cops when I was on the job. And in retirement, I continued to fight for them. So you guys know. And, and for the ones in Staten Island that know me, and they know John, you know us, we always fought for the cops. We always fought for ourselves. So where these threats are coming from, 
we've narrowed it down to a, uh, to a few PBA uh, board members, and that's okay. Honestly, I don't take it personal. If this is what you have to do to make yourself feel better, so be it. But you know what? You have to live with yourself and know that you're, you're harassing people that are trying to help you and basically trying to extort us, telling us that we need to stay quiet or you're going to expose stuff. You're not going to extort me. You're not going to extort. Go ahead. Expose it. I really don't care. I, I, go ahead. Expose what you have to do. Unlike you, I don't care. Everyone has a past and everyone has a present. But I tell you what, we're going to speak louder because we care. And the question is, why don't you care? And if you do care, then why wouldn't you want to come on this platform? You should say yes to every opportunity to speak out about your framework. There's some real problematic issues. Honestly, I don't care about the attacks. If that's what it takes to keep going to protect the cops and help them and be the catalyst for change, so be it. Because you know what? Obviously, it's working. I see the talking points that you have. You're addressing the issues of CCRB now in your pamphlets. If that's what it takes, if I have to get attacked so that you help and be the catalyst for CCRB, then it's worth it. If that's what it takes to help to be the catalyst for the discipline matrix, then that's worth it. John and I are going to continue because these are extremely problematic issues. Right now, those two police officers in the Bronx, we support you. It's a shame that you have to fight for your job right now. It's completely unfair because those two cops represent everyone in the police department right now. They didn't ask to go to that job that day. They rolled the dice, and they were the unlucky ones that went to that job. So that could be any two cops right now. Just think about it. You go to a job, you are faced with an adversary, an armed assailant, a knife, a gun, a baseball bat. You deploy your firearm. Your family suffers with you. The, 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 this, this is an attributing factor to mental health. You have to worry now about Standards Assessment Bureau. Right? Were you wearing the proper uniform? Risk management is going to watch your body camera. Civilian Complaint Review Board is going to critique you. You're going to be critiqued by legislative bodies, the public, the mayor, and no one's standing in to help you. And then after you're cleared by the district attorney's office and after you're cleared by the NYPD, you will face a prosecution by the Civilian Complaint Review Board where you could potentially lose your job. And if you will, I've heard from numerous cops I talk to on a daily basis, but the, but the commissioner has the last say. You're right, but guess what? John and I watched the community, count, the community council meeting in regards to budget, and the commissioner spoke at that meeting, and the consensus, who was the one that said it, if you remember? John, I know you remember exactly what her name is, but she said, since the inception of the discipline matrix, which was January 2021, how many cases were overturned? 12, 12 cases. John, you remember her name? It's the deputy commissioner of uh, Department Advocate Office. It's the head of the Department Advocate Office. I forget her name. Am I right? Am I yeah. right? It was 12 yeah. cases? Okay, yeah. It was It was overwhelmingly, even, even in a rushed process when they couldn't even properly give you guys due process, they still only overturned 12. And they were all probably business cards. <laughs> they were all bullshit. They were all definitely not a real case. I mean, these guys are facing... So you, you, you get into the incident, you respond to a 911 job to help someone, someone called for help, you get there, a guy's threatening you with a knife, he charges them with a knife, they shoot him, there's a department investigation, FID, they clear him, they clear him, which means that the politics were okay with it, right? Because we see how heavily controlled we are with the politicians. So the politicians were like, okay, good shoot is what it is, guy had a knife. FID clears them. So investigation done. They present the case to the FI. They present the case to the, the district attorney's office to be charged criminally, right? 
criminally, they're cleared. Now, third layer of scrutiny, right? We had to go through the politics. We had to go through the job. We had to go through the, the, the we had to go through the uh, district attorney's office. Now you're actually at your fourth layer. You're going to CCRB. And I got news for you. It's a bad one. Because like Eric has told you before, like Eric has told you before, if you get a substantiated CCRB now, not only are you up for termination in this case, and they're charging these guys with ridiculous things like trespassing on a 911 call when a guy has a job because they lied to him to try to gain compliance. And as police officers, we're, we're allowed to lie to the public. I've done it numerous times. I don't want to give you all the scenarios, but we lie to the public for public safety, right? We're allowed to. It's in case law. Um, so we're allowed, to, we're allowed to lie to the public. They lie to him to try to gain compliance, to get the knife out of his hand. He, and to, and because at the point, he's a danger to himself and he's a danger to others. They got called there. They didn't go there to shoot someone. The last thing they wanted is this, a four-year trial of persecution. And now they have to go through a CCRB who's found to be nothing but discriminatory against police officers and found to have proven that they only want to prove their existence by finding officers guilty, by showing that, that, that there is a problem in the NYPD when there isn't, when there isn't. And now these guys are going to go through this. And if they get found guilty, which more than likely they will be found substantiated on some uh, charges. I don't know all the CCRB charges. CCRB will ask for termination. In the case that the police commissioner gets the okay from the mayor that she doesn't have to terminate, these guys are, will be held liable civilly. And, and if the family sues, the city will pay the family. And so will these poor cops who did absolutely nothing but their job. That's absolutely right. And how do we know? Because I was actually at the end of a civil liability suit in, in the same manner. Substantiate Civilian Complaint Review Board for a stop, which is to help the community deter adversaries, violent perpetrators, purposes, persons of interest with carrying illegal firearms. And ultimately, it led to civil liability where I was sued. The city picked up the bill, but I had to come out handsomely out of my own pocket. $3,000. I actually paid $1,500. And the union picked up the other half. But even then, a police officer or any rank should not have to put money out of their pockets for doing what they're paid and trained to do to keep the community safe. And we constantly hear nationwide, it's not just New York, we're hearing it nationwide about removing qualified immunity. John, you and I spoke offline the other day, and I think what you said is very, very intelligent. Make no mistake about it, qualified immunity has already been removed. The bill itself, yes, it hasn't been passed, but every layer has been put in place so the cop is not protected, and the cop basically needs, right now, if you're a cop, you need your own insurance. But John and I spoke about this. John tried, you said it was about two years ago, I think you said, right, to get your own insurance. And, 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 and tell us about that, please. Explain, because I think that's very interesting. You tried to get insurance, and what, what type of results were you met with? All right, so... When I heard that they were looking to get rid of qualified immunity, I was still on the job. So I went to the city law department and I looked at, I grabbed the data of the last five years. And what I did with the data is I put it together. And overwhelmingly, the data shows the city doesn't fight anything. They don't fight anything. They pay out on everything. I mean, they're going to fight against the vaccine mandate and they're going to fight against Sal Greco because those are politically charged events. But every frivolous bullshit lawsuit, they pay out on and they pay out hundreds of millions of dollars every year. So I said, 
So my thought process was this, that maybe we could get either a group discount or individual rates, depending on how much we want to be insured for, because like doctors have uh, malpractice insurance, because being a police officer now, we are going to need insurance because that is the cost of doing business today. If, if you're not going to be indemnified for responding to a 911 call, you need insurance. You're going to lose your house. You're going to lose your car. The, 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 the profession is no longer viable unless you're just going to be in debt the rest of your life and you're going to send your check to every scale that you interact with in New York City because that's what the hell is going to happen. You're going to have no money, actually probably owe them money and maybe even end up in jail because you can't pay. You know, it, it, it's very, you know, what's going to happen when people can't pay because they, they're just getting sued too much, you know? And I mean, basically when I showed the data and I spoke with a lot of different insurance companies, and I'm not talking about low level insurance brokers, I'm talking about insurance firms. Uh, no one wanted to touch it because they couldn't estimate because basically the city is, is, is going to be working against them so that they know that there's going to be hundreds of million dollars in litigation after that, that's going to have to be paid out. So they, they don't even want to touch it with a, with, a, with, a, with a 10 foot pole, but it's something's got to give. So if anybody's listening, has an idea, reach out to us. You know, you got our email, go to our website, www.defineusunfiltered.com. Um, and, and we could speak, but I did speak to a lot of, a lot of people that have all these different various insurance products, guys that create insurance products. And I was going to actually pitch it to the unions. I know now that, you know, here's another idea for you guys. You guys should start thinking about that. Um, you're welcome for that as well. Um, but, but I, whatever the, the, the union offers you, I still think there needs to be an individual plan for guys that have more assets. Guys need to start. We need to start thinking about this. Like, honestly, I'll tell you right now, they pull qualified immunity. I, I put my papers in that day. I put my papers in that day. I'm gone. See you later. You're not indemnifying me anymore. I'm out of here. It's not a viable profession. I don't even believe it's a viable profession right now. It's definitely not a viable profession now. But if they actually, again, I agree with you that qualified immunity itself is ultimately been removed with all these layers, all this oversight. I mean, it just proves in this particular case with these two cops, they bypassed the district attorney's office. It's like, got that layer done. They bypassed the job. The job cleared them. Got that layer done. Ah, but now here comes civilian complaint review board. I mean, in what profession do you have to fend all these different layers? It's like, it's to me, it's almost like you take a bucket and you and you put holes. You put a hundred holes and you pour water in it, and you only have two hands, so you try to stop the water from coming out. That's what it is being a cop right now. You got hit with, you know, the NYPD cleared me. Okay, I got the DA's office. Oh, here comes CCRB. There's only so much. You, eventually, if they want to get you, they're going to get you. So if they actually remove qualified immunity, if that actually comes a hundred percent, it would be impossible to do the job. I mean, you, you're literally, you'll be living in poverty because with the amount of lawsuits and you can get sued for anything, you're not going to make it. It's just a reality. It's really sad that this profession is going that way. But, John, you and I talked about it, and we're going to do an upcoming episode, a podcast about this. Ultimately, it's not going to matter anyway. Read the papers. Wake up right now to the cops. And this is important for the union, too. You know what? I'll give you a tidbit, and I'll help you out with this. It doesn't matter anyway. The entire profession is turning into art artificial intelligence, mechanical, technological tools, and robots. That's exactly where this profession is going. It's almost like you go to a grocery store and everyone does self-checkout. 
and there's one there's one human employee there overseeing everything. That's where this is going right now, anyway. Read the papers. There's all these tools and measures that are put into place to have less encounters and tools and devices for police officers to use nationwide to have less actual physical contact and physical engagement between the police and the community. And ultimately, what we hear, listen to the key words we hear about this, it's to keep the community safer. I don't know, I find that a paradox because, because when a police officer is arresting an adversary, a violent subject, that is keeping the community safer. But we have to go out there with kick gloves and be calm with them because there's a mental crisis. And this is what I'm telling the public right now. Every time we make an arrest, that person is in a mental crisis. That doesn't mean they're mentally ill, but they're in a mental crisis that day. When they commit a crime that's not, that's not mentally rational, that's a mental crisis. We cannot code everything as mentally ill. Everyone's in a mental crisis, and we do need the police. This movement for abolish the police, we're getting way too close. It's scary because we need the police. It is necessary. John, what do they say? No one wants the enemy at the gate. I mean, no one wants the warriors until the enemy is at the gate. That's what's happening right now. Yeah, transparency, accountability. Same thing with the body cameras. Wasn't for your safety. Wasn't to protect you from minor crimes. It wasn't to protect you from minor allegations. It was it was 100% put in place to keep the community safe from you. That's the language. When they say transparency and accountability, they're saying that we're doing something wrong out there. Have, have we seen incidents where cops have done things wrong? Yes, and they went to jail. I mean, so I, I don't even understand what, what the argument is at this point. I mean, we have a... a a growing crime crisis in this country and all major cities across this country. And they all have implemented the same legislation, the same police policy, and now they're moving towards robots. But guess what? Robots could be systemically racist too. I mean, look at ChatGPT. ChatGPT is this uh, this uh, software that this guy came up with that supposedly it could create things. You know, you tell it anything. Uh, write me a Mozart song. That's uh, or with a rap version with a Jay-Z with a Jay-Z lyrics on it and a, a beat from uh, Swiss Beats and it'll put it all together and make it within five minutes. But we've already seen that there's political bias in chat GPT. Somebody asked for an article about Hunter Biden that said didn't get involved in political and in, in political undertakings. But then they asked for a, a, an article about Donald Trump and it wrote it in two seconds. So what are we going to do? There, there's going to be. I mean, I, I, you know, there's going to be issues even when we go towards robotics. Somebody's going to be behind that. Who's going to be held responsible? You send a robot in instead of ESU and the robot kills somebody. Somebody's going to get held responsible still. They're not going to just play, oh, yeah, it was a robot. It was a night scope's fault. No, there's going to be human accountability still. They're, they're, you know, they are looking to dwindle the size of this force. The unions are outdated. They're not even thinking about it. They should already be talking about that. These robots do not count in a headcount. These robots do not count as a partner. They should already be working out these issues. No, instead, they're going to look at a way to keep you going without a contract until the next election so they could save you again. And you morons could be like, no, they got me a contract. I'm going to vote for them. That's, that's what's been going on. For, for 20 years, you've just been getting held up oh, five years, five years, six years. No, I mean, no one sees it. It's, it's crazy. 
It's crazy. I, I, and that, the history is misinformation. Facts are misinformation. And, and that's why I say to the PBA, you need to listen to this. It's a tip for you to understand that you have to start looking at the ball wax differently. I mean, right now, honestly, the PBA is built. It's almost it's similar to an insurance company, right? Cops pay dues per month. And for most cops, they never actually have to utilize those dues. It's almost like an insurance company. There's, you know, when a cop, unfortunately, like Daniel Pantaleo, gets wrapped up in, 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 in a politically charged incident, it can become costly. Now, I don't know how much the PBA spent on that, but unfortunately, he was terminated. So uh, I think they could have absolutely spent more. But if with this mass exodus, and if we do get to the point that we're going to rely on robots and artificial intelligence, which I, I do believe is where we're headed. And if you see, it's there's articles every day, not just focused on New York City. It's nationwide. Articles every day of these devices and tools and robots and artificial intelligence to replace the human police officer to uh, have less engagements. Who's going to pay union dues? If right now we're at a, a, approximately 20,000 police officers, right? Give or take of actual police officers with the New York City Police Department. If we were to diminish that to half, and half were robots and artificial intelligence, who's going to pay these dues? So the 10,000 are still on the job. They're going to have to double their payment in dues, or the PBA would have to operate with less money. And I would, if I was a betting man, I would go with that they're going to double the dues. What do you think, John? That's what I, that, if I was a betting man, they would have to do that to continue on the same path. 100%. They, so, I mean, it's my contention that this exodus will stall until all this money's paid out and it's going to pick right back up again. By July, there's going to be a flood of people at the pension section. A flood. This July might be the biggest amount of retirements we've ever seen. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I, I, I Again, I said if I was a betting man, I would say 100% because – well, first of all, you have to look at this even from a mathematical equation. If you made one hundred and twenty thousand for the year with overtime, uh, you're a twenty-year cop. Now you you're going to add a fifty thousand retro, and if you do more overtime, the year's not over yet. You could potentially make two hundred thousand for the year. You're not going to beat that the following year. This is the maximum pension you'll ever get, and especially for for tier two, you can only make. 20% more than the year prior pensionable. I mean, you can make 50%. You can make 100% more. Yes, it will go into your paycheck. But for pensionable purposes, and that's what we're talking about retirement here, you could only make 20% more than the year prior. So with the retro, it's highly unlikely, especially if they actually transition to this 12-hour chart, if this pilot program is successful, they're absolutely never going to meet this year. So 100%, if I was a financial fiduciary, I would advise them to retire. Yeah, and, and, and the other thing is, I think they had 564 just graduated. I think the retention rates cannot be too good once these guys hit the street. What do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. I, I was, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned, I want to speak to you about that because I watched yesterday, uh, I, I watched actually. They were talking about some some news article about the deities of families that are coming out of this police academy, and one one of the cops, I think it was McCarthy, he's the fourth generation in his family, which which is which is a lifelong family of service to the police department. 
I, I do believe it's guys like that that will stay. They have a network and connections with the police department, obviously, which means nepotism. I don't see a kid like this on the street too long in this environment with their network. So it's guys like that will stay. But for the police officers that don't have a network of connections that are going to be faced with exact, exactly what these two police officers are faced and a climate, a climate that we are faced right now, which police officers are being attacked, they will have to deploy their firearms more often, tasers, batons, utilize strikes. They're going to be faced with the DA's office. They're going to be faced with the NYPD. And ultimately, when they bypass those and they beat it, and they will, they'll be faced with CCRB. And CCRB right now is enemy number one to the cops. And you know what their weapon is? A cop goes out on the street, and you know what his tool is? To, his tool, his weapon is a firearm. But CCRB, their weapon is the disciplinary matrix. So we hear all the time how firearms have to be removed off the street. But in order for the cops to do their job to keep people safe, we have to remove the disciplinary matrix. That has to be the first order of business for any PBA president as we speak. SBA, LBA, any union right now. If the unions are watching this, the first order of business should be CCRB and disciplinary matrix. And you ask me. They are, there's a nexus. It's one and the same. They have to be addressed together. And that's the other problem. Just on retention, I do believe that half the cops within a year will ultimately quit. And then the other half, if they decide that they want to go out and do intrusive police work because they don't have nepotism and they want to get into a detective squad, they're going to be faced with the civilian complaint review board and the disciplinary matrix. If they go out there and do their job like I did, they will be terminated. 100%. You're going to start seeing a lot more terminations. And for you, those of you guys that don't know, CCRB is now in charge of profiling investigations. So I'm just letting you know right now, anybody calls up and makes a complaint, whether it's the CCRB, whether it's the IAB, and they say, John pulled me over because I'm bald. John pulled me over because I'm married. John pulled me over because I got Jersey plates. John pulled me over because I'm black. John pulled me over because I like girls. John pulled me over because I'm gay. Whatever it is, they say I stopped you for whatever. It doesn't matter that even if they admit to doing a crime. Yeah, I just robbed someone, but that's not why he stopped me. He stopped me because I'm black. It had nothing to do with that I robbed somebody. Because white people rob people all the time. Profiling allegation. Profiling allegation. So the job took this allegation on about five years ago. So there's profile. You all, I, I'm sure all of us have profile allegations. If you, if you look, if you look at your thing. So profile, profile, profile. What do they do for all those allegations? Un, unfounded, 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 right? Because how could you prove a feeling? It's a feeling. There's no fact. The only way they're going to prove a feeling if they bring you in for a geo, and I guarantee they're not going to bring you in for a geo for this. But if they did, why'd you pull them over? Cause you know, he robbed somebody. Okay. That's it. You know, exonerated. You're exonerated. That thing's off you. So now with five years of data and probably a million profiling allegations and none of them were founded, instead of taking the heat, instead of standing up for you and saying, well, this is based on a feeling and this isn't a right thing, what would the, would the job do? And, and, and the unions. Let's just give it to CCRB. And now CCRB is going to have a profiling unit. Do you think for one second that you're going to sit here and we're going to be talking in five years from now and CCRB isn't going to have found you guys guilty of, of profilings. You're going to see a ton of profiling substantiated. You're going to see a ton of it because they're not out there 
doing proper investigations. They're reverse engineering their investigations. They already have who's guilty. If it was Eric Dim that goes up there because he's an active cop, it's any of you guys that are active. And I'm, I'm we're, we're watching the 50A all the time. So all you guys that are still out there, especially you two lieutenants that are on the top, stop doing police work. Go to a unit and get out. Tell Lou Terrico to pull you off the street. You are going to be terminated. Know who I'm talking about. Um, get off the street. Because I'm telling you right now, they're going to start subbing these profile allegations. You're going to start seeing it this year, 2023. By the end of 2023, mark my word. And where's the union? Yeah, but they got me a contract, Mo. They got me the contract, Mo. You're not, <laughs> not going to have a career long to have the contract. So it doesn't matter if you can't if you can't sustain in your profession, then it, it, the money means nothing because ultimately you you might be left out without a pension or paying some skill who robbed someone because they said you you stopped them for some other bullshit reason that CCRB found you guilty of. So be very very leery of that. Mark my words. Remember what I said, John. It's unfortunate, but it's so true what you're saying. It's sad. The unions cannot tell the cops. The sergeants union cannot tell their sergeants. The lieutenants union cannot tell the lieutenants to stop doing police work. They can't say that. But we're retired, and we can tell you that. And I'm telling you, stop doing it. And if you ask anyone around the job, they'll tell you, well, how could Eric Dim tell you that? Because he continued to do police work. And you're 100% right. But I'm telling you right now in retirement, I don't want you to beat me and become the most complaint cop. That label that I have, which is completely a mockery of the whole system. I will never lose that label forever. It's affected me. If I ever wanted a job, even just privatized job, it is, if there's a background, it's going to be a topic of a conversation. Now, I do think that I could have a good conversation, explain it. This podcast has revealed, revealed and debunked a lot of the atrocities, especially this case right now with these two police officers really solidifies what we've been talking about here. But I don't want you to become me. Yes, I was out there. I still continued to do the job. I felt I had a duty. The men and women that I mentored, that I taught to do the job, I felt I had a duty to be with them. And I also believed, and I wanted to believe, and I still believe one day it may change. But right now, you cannot do it. I believe at that point there's no way that the community knows I'm out there trying to help them. There's no way that they're going to let me become the bad guy. Someone's going to stand in there and fight with me. But it never happened. That's why John and I continue to do this. Do not let this become you. And in order to stop doing police work, you actually have to have yourself completely removed and somewhere on the shelf because if it's in your blood. If you are a real cop like John, like myself, or these lieutenants that are at the top of the list right now, you're a real cop. So it doesn't matter. They can tell you right now, if you arrest someone, you're going to jail. If you're out in the street and you're in that patrol car, marked or unmarked, it's in your blood. If you see someone commit a crime, you're going to jump out and address it, even if you know. If someone told you four seconds before you're gonna you're going to go to jail, you'll still you'll still do it. So think about the public. That's what it is to be a cop every day. They put aside all the legislation, how they feel, because the ultimate goal is to keep communities safe. They're trying to help, and no one stands in for them now. So we're standing in for them now. And with that being said, I also think that the PBA should be focusing on the most important. Right now, category for the Civilian Complaint Review Board for a union to fight, I believe, is abuse of authority. So what I mean by this, I want to address this to the public. The Civilian Complaint Review Board 
has the authority to investigate force, abuse of authority, discourtesy, and offensive language. Now, I believe, in my opinion, the body camera, which is supposed to be transparent, is hurting the cops. It's hurting the cops, and it's, and, and it's more ammunition for the Civilian Complaint Review Board to target the police officers. We can argue force. We can be very analytical about that. Discourtesy, very open to interpretation, and offensive language. But abuse of authority is this big, very ambiguous and vague subject. If you don't hand someone a business card, you are you will be substantiated for abuse of authority. Abuse of authority does not match you not handing a business card. Abuse of authority sounds terrible. If you advise someone, and that's the, and unfortunately, it's going to be on body camera, and that's what police officers do. If you advise someone, if I said to John McCary, hey, John, do me a favor, stand on the sidewalk. Uh, you're blocking these pedestrians right now. We're, we're doing an investigation, and if you don't, you're subject to arrest. Well, guess what? It's subjective by the Civilian Complaint Review Board, and you can be hit uh, for threat to arrest. Now, we know what a threat is, right? I can show you all the fake accounts that John and I have been getting from the PBA, and I can show you exactly what they've been saying to us. Those are threats. When they try to cause you alarm and harassment, they're not causing us alarm. They're only motivating us even more. But that is a threat. When a cop advises someone that they could be subject to arrest, that is a warning. That is being professional. And it's being used to weaponize and hurt the cops. John, what do you think about that? Abuse of authorities, a complete catch-all. And again, yes. there are just things that are outside of CCRB's purview that's now in their purview for I don't know what, like this profiling allegation, like the fact that they're investigating a shooting. I'm sure they're asking for ballistic reports. They're asking for all things that they don't know how to read. And they're privy to get it. And I don't I don't I don't understand. This is a shooting. There is there is a there is a homicide that's being investigated, even though we did it. It's it's a it's classified as a homicide, right? You were killed by another person. Whether it, it was justified or not, it's a different story. But they don't investigate homicide. That's not a fatal use of force. You know, and 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 like to me, it shouldn't even be a, a concurrent investigation, anything involved in a shooting. But the abuse of authority is a catch-all. And almost every CCRB case, somebody has some type of abuse authority. Um, I think more importantly, like what you said, I think the disciplinary matrix is the biggest problem because it weaponizes these penalties. More than just honing in on that, you know, the things that we have termination for, that's insane. And honestly, they shouldn't even, whatever, they, they, they're going to recommend termination. My problem is when they recommend them, I don't believe that the management in the NYPD has the fortitude or has your best interest in mind. I do believe that public safety in New York City currently is a grift. The majority of people there currently are there for their own personal financial gain. They have no ability to do anything when it comes in regards to public safety or to protect the cops. They are not there for that. They are there for this. And that's the biggest problem. That is the biggest problem to me. There's weak, weak management. There's weak, weak representation. And even more than just weak, they're dumb. They're stupid. And just so we're clear, I don't feel threatened or alarmed by any of the threats. <laughs> just so we're clear. Neither do I, but I had to mention it. Don't get nervous, guys. It's all right. I don't feel threatened or alarmed. I actually think <laughs> just keep my family out of it and we'll be cool.
you know. Um, uh, yeah, don't worry <laughs> about it. We're not going to make we're not going to make a CCRB or have you arrested. I actually find it comical. Don't yeah. worry about it. And obviously, you they know that they know they asked around. They know we're not those type of guys, which is why they're doing it. But I will tell you this, John, you agree. We sent up an email, a professional email, to Pat Hendry and his team. On our Instagram accounts is our face. They have our name. They have our personal phone numbers. If you like, you can give us a call and you can talk about it. You have our personal numbers. You have all the personal information. Give us a call. Call me anytime. Honestly, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't feel threatened one bit. Even with the extortion, I think it's kind of funny. I actually laugh at it. I'm like, wow, you guys took the time out to actually say this stuff. This is pretty great. I think you guys are tagging more than Cobblehatch. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> Thank you, though. Thanks for watching. But, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, it just, you know, I mean, and if anyone's, oh, the police commission is great. Oh, everybody's great. I mean, look at the appointments. I mean, technically, she appointed these commissioners, right? We made fun of, I don't want to abuse the guy again, the community affairs guy. He didn't even know his job. He was not, he's not in check. He's not in tune with what's going on. And he's in charge of the community affairs bureau. I believe it's an important bureau. Uh, you know, we had a great uh, lieutenant retire out of there recently. And, you know, I mean, that guy was all in on, on, the, on his mission in the community, right? Um, Lieutenant Mike, the, those of you guys that know him, he was all in. Like, he was about it. You could clearly tell this guy's checked out. He's there for a, a payday. He's very good friends with the mayor. Um, it's an embarrassment. But now we see this other commissioner, uh, Commissioner of Employee Relations. This is my favorite. This is the Commissioner of Employee Relations. Now, Rick Adams rented an apartment from her, right? He rented it. He owns real estate in New York, but he rented an apartment from her. Just think about that for a second. Um, but he rented an apartment from her and she has zero qualifications and she is the deputy commissioner of employee relations. Employee relations is set up if you're having an issue with the job. Now, they didn't do anything for me when the dude that was in charge of the SBA, not in charge of the SBA, heard he's a great guy, you know, he means well, but during COVID, employee relations did nothing. Retirement process is a fucking disaster. We're going to talk about that one day and, and, the, and actually the pension section. Because there's, there's the way they treat cops down there, the way they treat guys on the way out, it's a fucking, it's an embarrassment and it's a shame. They talk to cops like we're pieces of shit, but they're too scared to go out on the street. And a bunch of them are just civilians too that think they're fucking, they like to call themselves chief and all this other shit. Um, but they're, you know, they're civilians. They're fucking nobodies. But they treat cops like assholes because they have to do paperwork. Uh, they're supposed to be in customer service and they're not. But so if you're having an issue with that, employee relations is the people to reach out to. Like, hey, you know, I'm going to retire. These guys won't even run my numbers. These guys are telling me they're not pension counselors when their title is pension counselor. You know, like it's, you know, they won't even give you a, a two second time a day. So that's who you reach out to for employee relations. Over 10 people, 10, 10 people have left this lady's office. She sees ghosts. She sees ghosts. She says she sees ghosts. She sees uh, people above the office. Did you just say ghosts now? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Like someone, someone was calling in on my computer. Um, so she says she sees ghosts and that they're bugging her office. Like the people that she works with. I mean, so technically the police commissioner appointed her. So if you're, if you're, if you're going to sit there and think that that police commissioner is going to go to bat for you, you got another thing coming. You got, you got another, I, I listen, 
all you guys with faith. I got faith too. But, you know, I, I, I treat people for who they are. I treat people for what they do, not what they say. And everything is what I'm seeing is what people do. And that's the same thing going into these all these elections that are going to come up, the PBA, the SBA, the LBA, the CEA. I treat people for what they do. I don't care what they say. I really don't. I, I'm glad you mentioned this stuff because I think that I think the job, the NYPD, along with the pension section, has to do a much better job of making it a smooth process and a comfortable process. And it should be an enjoyable process when you retire from the job or vest out. At some point, it should be an enjoyable process. It should be appreciated and commemorated for your service. If you did 20 years or 10 years, whatever the case is. Whatever you served, it should be a smooth, it should be an enjoyable service. But I can tell you this. I was met with complete resistance and reluctance through the pension section. Again, they're supposed to be pension counselors. I had called to ask some questions. Obviously, when I was retiring, I had made a settlement with the Civilian Complaint Review Board. So my case was quite peculiar. It was settling at the same time I was moving out. They didn't want to offend any questions. That's their job. They didn't want to answer any questions. They were perturbed by questions. They didn't want to be bothered. It's sad. Here you are. You served 20 years in the police department, or almost 20 years. And this is, and you're met with just complete resistance. They could care less. You're just a number. They want to get your paperwork done with. And then ultimately, it's overseen by Sergeant Kathleen Russell, who couldn't be more, uh, just more antagonistic and just completely, obviously, hasn't been on the street in many years, doesn't understand that you've, you yourself have had 20 years or you're, you're retired. Like I, I myself was, was retiring, asking some questions and just completely just unprofessional. Uh, just she didn't want to be bothered just has no relation, doesn't have appreciation to the cops. That's their job to answer questions, but they don't like asking, asking questions. So for the cops right now, now that you just got your, your, your contract ratified and you will be getting your retro and you will be putting in for retirement soon, if you are dealt with the pension counselors that is completely disrespectful, let me know because we'll talk about the podcast. Sergeant Kathleen Russell, hold her accountable. She is extremely disrespectful. And does not care about the cops. Completely unprofessional. So let me know. Contact us here at New York's Finance Retired and Filter Podcast if you're met with reluctance because it should be an enjoyable process. I remember I was retired and I, I hit retirement. And John, you said the same thing like, that's it? This is it? I mean, these people can't be bothered. They don't try to help you for 20 years. I mean, you only retire once. That's what I said. I said to Sergeant Kathleen Russell, you don't want to help me? I only retire once. I, I don't how many how many retirements do you have? And she was just completely unprofessional, honestly. I, I was I'm not impressed. No, yeah, she treated me like a piece of shit too. She told me if you have, if you don't like what I'm saying, because I wanted I wanted to see if they could run it different ways for me, which I did get done in three minutes by calling a friend who got a friend. Got it done in three minutes. She argued with me for two hours. Would not do. No, we can't do it. If you don't like it, you could talk to my chief. So I said, okay, put your chief on. I want to talk to him. <laughs> Flabbergasted. She puts me on with some dick director. His name's John. It was like an Italian last name. Complete jerk off. I actually called employee relations. I called the. I I called the fucking. I called the commissioner employee relations. I was like, these people are fucking treating me like I'm a piece of shit. Like they're treating me like I'm a piece of shit. I served the city for 18 years. I never talked. I didn't talk to fucking felons like that the way they fucking talk to me. I'm like, they're in the customer service. It's not really anything we can do. I was like this. So, and I've heard it over and over and over again. 
Um, shit needs to be fixed. Um, yeah. Oh, she's completely respectful. I called her up one day. I said, listen, I think I, I was retired for maybe like five days, but I already changed my address. I called her up. I said, listen, I'm trying to change my address. It seems to be a glitch in the system. It's not coming up. I said, this is a lieutenant. Then she goes, well, you're not a lieutenant anymore. I said, well, it's only five days. Really? <laughs> you know what? I said, I could come back tomorrow and I'll still be a lieutenant. So what are you talking about? Absolutely disrespectful. Kathleen Russell, uh, you completely disappointed me. Honestly, you should be removed from that spot and you should go back on the street and have to suffer through everyone else wearing body cameras and handing out business cards. And maybe you actually appreciate that you had that nice cushy job. Maybe I'll still learn how to talk to people too. And if I, I'm going to actually have to call that soon. And I'm telling you right now, I've never filed an IB complaint. I've never dropped a log on anybody. I've never uh, filed a CCRB in my life. If she talks to me like a piece of shit, I'm going to do it on the show. I'm going to record it. I'm going to drop a CCRB on her because okay. I'm not, I'm not dealing with that shit no more. You want to serve the public? I'm the public now. I'm fine. Well, I'll, I'll join you because actually they have 18 months from the time of an incident to uh, be investigated substantially by the Civilian Complaint Review Board. So I got plenty of time. So I never made a CCRB either. But you know what? Kathleen Russell, she'd be the number one on my list. Oh, 100%. 100%. Uh, so what do you think about Tucker Carlson? Oh, man. I I'm, I'm glad you asked. It's, it's a sad day. And I think you asked this question on a post, and I totally agree with you. Other than Tucker Carlson, are we watching Fox News? I mean, honestly. I mean, I... I haven't watched the news since the 2020 election. I stopped watching Fox News. I stopped watching cable. I pulled my cable bill down. Uh, I don't. I don't. I currently don't have cable. I don't watch TV. I get all my my information through uh, social media papers and and everything that everybody sends me. But the few times that I did watch Fox News, it was because somebody I knew was going on Tucker. So I would go watch that show, and a few and everyone uh, and part of my daily information that I get that people send me is clips from the Tucker Carlson show because he is very informative. I mean, he's the number one talent in cable media, hands down. I mean, Joe Rogan's not in cable. Joe Rogan's here. All the other networks are here, but they're only up this high because Tucker Carlson's all the way up there as, as in relation to cable media. Tucker Carlson's blowing out. He's the number one show, cable television, 3 million viewers a night. No one comes close to him in cable media. Nobody. He's crushing networks. Um, Fox News got a big, big problem going forward. I actually think cable. I think cable news. You could stick a fork in it. I really do because you know a lot of people are speculating it's over the Dominion lawsuit. It's over. They wanted full control of the show. Um, there's a lot of different speculation going on now, but I personally think media is changing. I think the way we take in media is changing. I think that's why this show has been so successful. Because even though a lot of people look at us like we're two dumb idiot cops, <laughs> they still know that what we're saying we believe. You know, so and I think that's a, a big thing. So people just want to hear that perspective, even if they think that we're idiots. Uh, we're two dumb idiots from New York who just, you know, what, what do people say? We got the bunker mentality. We're uh, whatever. I, you know, we live in an echo chamber, all, all this crazy stuff, you know. Um, so, but I do think that media is changing. We're going to see a big shift in media going forward. You know, I, I, I really do. I, I don't, I, I don't think I could say enough about if you take the top talent out of, out of cable news, 
forget about it out of Fox News, out of cable. It's not like he went to left Fox and he's going to CNN. He left Fox News. He's gone. I mean, and, and they say that he was fired. Well, it just shows, I mean, Tucker Carlson, I think, is on parallel with us in a sense of he's very informative. He speaks out the truth, even if it goes against it goes against the grain. And with that, he's received numerous attacks in the past uh, where they put out his home address. Uh, same thing as us getting attacked for saying the truth. I think he's extremely informative. I actually think that because he's so intelligent and informative and the ways he, he the way he exposes things and his his point of view puts him in a position that eventually he could run for president one day. I, I definitely think so. To be honest, I think that he uh, he's very uh, he's very charismatic. I think he, he could definitely put himself in that type of political uh, arena. I think that he's comp- very informative, and, and he says he says what people are thinking but are afraid to say it. And I, I think like he said he's a he's very talented, and I do see him eventually maybe going to some type of political arena. What do you think? I mean, you know, listen. I think that he has his finger on the social conscience. Like the way that we have our finger on New York politics, the NYPD, what's happening in the NYPD. And that's why, you know, that's why everyone's listening to us, because it's not really our thoughts. It's our thoughts combined with all of the information that we're getting. He's on a national level of the social conscience of the working man, of the person who believes in God, goes to work every day. He's voicing the concerns of those people that they have in their head. He actually gave an unbelievable speech. At uh, I believe it was the Liberty Council. I did a couple of clips on my social media, and it was unbelievable. It really was. I was like, I was, I was, I had to listen to it. I had listened to it several times today as I worked out, as I was painting, as I was doing different things. Um, I, I had to just keep rewinding. I was like, wow, I, can't, I, I can't believe. Like he really is in tune with the my exactly the way I feel about things and exactly the emotions and the thoughts I've had over the last three years. And I think that's why everybody loves him. So I would hate to see him enter into the political arena. I do believe he is going wherever he goes. I hope my personal opinion is I hope he creates his own media platform. I hope that he doesn't go work for anybody. Um, I think that he's more than capable of running his own media. And, you know, I, that's personally what I, what I would like to see for him. You know, everybody's always telling me and Eric to run for office, do this. I really think we, we are where we should be too. I don't think, you know, I, as much as I'd like to go into to like go run for city council and smack all them around in meetings and, you know, verbally, not actually smack people around, you know, <laughs> make ver- sure you say that <laughs> yeah, verbally smack people around and, um, you know, and or in state assembly and let everybody know what's going on on both sides. Right. Because we just had today, Holschel just signed, snuckily signed a bill where 12 year anyone under 12 can't be arrested for anything other than murder. So an 11-year-old could shoot you, they could shoot you, and you don't die, they cannot be arrested. Can not be arrested. I mean, Yeah, I read that too. I, I think it's insane. I mean, I, I tell this story. I mean, obviously, these were kids, but there is a time and place to make arrest. I was working in the 120 priest in Staten Island. I'll never forget this call. And I, 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 John, I think we were talking about offline. I didn't know what to do with these kids, but... There's a cash for cars on Richmond Terrace and the 120 priest in Staten Island. And it's known that when they have these cars parked there, most of them, most of them are broken down or if they're drivable, they can't go too far. There's a couple of outliers in these cars and they would put the keys to these cars underneath the, the mat in the driver's seat. And these two kids figured it out. So I'll never forget one day I, I was working on patrol 
And uh, if my partner, my old partner, if he's listening to this, I'll remember, he'll get a good laugh at it. I'll never forget. We get a call that there's a car, uh, that about 10 different cars have been hit. And this particular car that's hitting them is still going. So I'll never forget. It was in the Port Richmond area, the one to well precinct. I know you know it well. And we get there, and there's this car crashed, right? And there's these cars everywhere just demolished, right? And we get there, we're like, what the hell is going on? So we figured, right, it's a stolen car. They must have just crashed through a bunch of cars. Well, I never get. We peek and we look inside the car, and there was two little kids in there, seven and eleven. I'll never get. And I had, I'll never. I had the seven-year-old. I'm holding the seven-year-old, and the eleven-year-old. I remember we put him in the back of a car. He wasn't handcuffed, but we're talking to him. But the seven-year-old, I was holding the kid. I didn't know what they're doing. He's kicking me. He's kicking me in the groin and like just like flare, flailing his arms, just going crazy. I didn't know what to do with this kid. He's seven years old. So I'm holding on to him. I didn't want to put handcuffs. It was the most awkward thing. I'll never forget. The sergeant was laughing at me. It, it was, you know, it, it's, it's crazy. But it's 7 and 11. Like, what do we do with them in that case? I mean, yes, they're kids. But they caused a, a, the monetary amount of damage that these kids caused. They, they must have hit about 10 cars. The car that they drove, they caused major damage on this other particular car. So, and fortunately, they didn't hit anyone. But they could have really hurt someone, honestly. And there were two small little kids. So I, I when I when I read that story, immediately that was a story that came to mind. So those two delegates that you might be the delegates that attacked me on on those uh, fake accounts, you might remember that case too because we worked together. So uh, pay attention to it. You know we were out there. We were being good cops. I don't know if it's you guys, but listen, you're part of the board. You said you know me, so you know the kind of cop I was. So thank you for that, guys. I appreciate that you guys are watching though. <laughs> yeah and just remember to everybody don't slip up because you're still on the job don't slip up don't get too crazy with yourselves all right it's not worth <laughs> it we're just talking honestly we got no hard feelings towards you guys I, really we're just talking we're saying what we're gonna say nobody's gonna tell us literally nobody not your boss not your boss's boss not the mayor in new york city not the governor not the president I mean, if we get deplatformed, we get deplatformed, but we're still going to be doing it somewhere else. We got a bunch of other platforms. So we're not really worried about you guys at all. So don't, you know, stop with the bullshit threats. Appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate, you know, all the messages. You're actually bumping our social media all the way up to the top. Um, we are going to send you guys bottle openers, challenge coins and T-shirts. Um, so that's coming. Um, and, uh, you know, look out for that. I do got to run. Is there anything you want to you end off with? Well, don't forget, we're also – we look forward to seeing you guys. And you know what? No matter what fake account threats, we, we don't care. Honestly, we don't take it personal because it's worth the fight. We're going to get press passes. We'll see you at events. And you know what? Even then, we'll still be professional and treat you with respect. Honestly, I thank you guys for watching. I do. I thank the New York City PBA for watching. We really appreciate it. On that, John, I know we, we, got, we got a busy day. We got things to tend to. We gotta keep fighting for the cops. I hope the PBA is doing the same. We're gonna keep up the good fight. It's not over yet. CCRB, disciplinary matrix, those are the number one issues. I'm glad you got some pay. I'm glad it gave you some relief, but it's not over yet. John, you wanna end it here? Yeah, well said. Like I said, you know, the like everyone sitting there saying and people that know us saying that me and Eric are spreading misinformation and we have an agenda. I mean it's it's really pathetic, dude. It's like absolutely pathetic. We've had so much offers for sponsorship that we've turned down 
to say that we want money or money is our end goal, you're out of your mind. You're <laughs> out of your fucking mind. I walked away from millions of dollars because I wouldn't take a shot for you, for your kids. And you're going to sit there and say that I'm about money. If I was about money, I would still be on that job collecting money. I would, I would unseat Lou Terco because obviously it's not hard to go to get, to get, to get into these seats. It's obviously not. These guys have no platform. They have no charisma. They're not even on the pulse of what's going on. They're outdated. They're old. They don't know what's going on and they're full of shit and they are only in it for the money. So anyone that, that goes against them, that isn't, you'll see, like you see this kid Valdez, you see the you see that you see Andrews, you see them. They're real genuine people that talking about the issues that you care about because they've been out there with you. They're out there in the freezing cold. They still go out and do overtime. They face all the issues you face. You know, it's not, it's not to knock old people, but let's let's really face it. You know, they sit there, they knock me. Oh, you were in BMS. And, and the fact of the matter is I was. And even in BMS, I still put my uniform on way more than they have in the last 20 years. <laughs> they have combined zero. Zero. So, you know, knock, knock all you want, you know. Hey, uh, 265 Police Live, check us out. New York's finest retired and filtered podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple. Most of our viewers are on the audio downloads, but check us out on YouTube. If you actually want to watch it, we're on YouTube. You can subscribe, subscribe for free. We appreciate it. Thanks for watching us. And you know what, New York City PBA, we thank you too. And to that uh, piece of shit lieutenant that's always uh, on his podcast, uh, bashing us, fuck him. <laughs>